The Bible says without faith it's impossible to please God. But faith in what? Or who? Oprah says she has faith, but faith in human nature is not biblical faith, nor is faith in faith. Some people have faith in medical science. I'm not against medical science. Doctors are heroic. And if my child is ill, I want the best medical care available today. But even medical science has its limitations. Biblical faith has an object. The question is always faith in what or who. The faith that gets God's attention, pleases Him, and ultimately saves us from the penalty of sin is the kind of faith that always has Jesus as its object. I'm Ron Jones. Something good starts right now. facing a crisis? If so, today's message from Dr. Ron Jones might be just what you need to hear. Hello and welcome to Something Good with Dr. Ron Jones. I'm Brian Davis. Thanks for stopping by. God's Word has a lot to say about the right way to handle adversity. Today, we'll meet a man who faced perhaps the biggest crisis of his life. His response is a great reminder for all of us. And it comes your way next as Ron takes us to John chapter 4 in his teaching series, Believe the Miracles of Jesus. Visit somethinggoodradio.org to listen to the broadcast on demand on your schedule. That's somethinggoodradio.org. From Atlantic Shores Baptist Church in Virginia Beach, Virginia, where he serves as lead pastor, here's Ron with today's Something Good Radio message, The Long Distance Miracle. Well, it goes without saying, but I'm gonna say it anyway, that God puts a high, high priority on faith, on faith, on believing. And we know this from many places in the scripture, not the least of which is Hebrews chapter 11 and verse six, which says, and without faith, it's impossible to please God. He who draws near to him must believe that he exists, there's our word, believe, must believe that he exists and that he's a rewarder of those who seek after him. Uh, God puts a high priority on faith. But what is faith? Well, if you back up a little bit in the book of Hebrews, chapter 11 to verse 1, it says, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Uh, I always like to say that biblical faith is, is not a blind leap into the dark unknown. No, it's not. But it does require that we believe certain things that we cannot see with the naked eye. And the writer of Hebrews uses words like assurance and conviction, a settled conviction in our heart that we believe, yes, believe things that we cannot even see with our own eyes, like we believe that God exists. It's that kind of biblical faith that gets God's attention. Now, we're in this series of messages from the Gospel of John. We've titled it Believe because, well, in John's Gospel, he tells us at the end of his Gospel, chapter 20 and verses 30 and 31, that he wrote the Gospel and particularly that he he mentioned eight sign miracles in there so that we might believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. The word believe in the Greek language, pastuo, it appears more than a hundred times in the Gospel of John. If you're a good Bible student, you know, one of the things you want to pay attention to are words that are repeated in a, in a verse, in a chapter, in a book. 
And it's clear from the repetition of the word believe that, that this is a major theme in John's gospel. And it kind of bookends the gospel. We, we went there last time to the end of the book and discovered the purpose for which he wrote this book and the purpose for which he gave us these eight sign miracles, eight of the 37 miracles that are recorded in the gospel, all four of the gospels. And he did that so that they might point us to Jesus and believe in him. It bookends this, uh, the, the, the word believe bookends the gospel in this way. We can go back to the beginning of the gospel in chapter one and verse 12, and it tells us, but as many as received Jesus, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name. Do you believe in the name of Jesus today? I hope you do. Because according to John chapter 1 and verse 12, receiving is believing, and believing in the name of Jesus makes us children of God. You say, wait a minute, Pastor, we're all children of God, aren't we? Well, generally speaking and by creation, yes, we're all created in the image of God. But John tells us you become a child of God. You're born into his family when you receive Jesus. And what is receiving? Receiving is believing and believing, believing in the name of Jesus makes us children of God in a relationship with him in a family kind of way. That brings us back to John chapter four and to our study of the miracles of Jesus. And I've titled this one, The Long Distance Miracle. And it's about a particular man, a father we will say, he's more than just a father, and we'll unpack that in a moment, but a father who is in anguish a father whose faith, we might say, is in crisis. The Bible tells us in verse 46 that Jesus came again to Cana in Galilee where he had made the water wine, and at Capernaum there was an official whose son was ill. A little bit later he says, for his son was at the point of death. This man is facing a crisis. He's facing a crisis unlike he has ever experienced before. His son is ill. His son is about to die. You ever faced a crisis like that? Maybe it's a medical crisis. Maybe it's a financial crisis in your life, and your family. Maybe your marriage is in crisis, and you're at the end of your resources not knowing what to do. I think every one of us can identify with some kind of crisis we've, we've faced in life, whether six months ago or six years ago or six months from now. It's probably true that you're either going through a crisis, you have gone through a crisis, or a crisis is right around the corner from you. And what do you do when your faith is in a crisis? What do you do when you're in a crisis? Well, this, this, this father, this nobleman, this official, as we'll learn about him, helps us with some simple things here. Just three th simple things that I wanna share with you this morning that you do when you're facing a crisis and when your faith is in crisis, the first thing you do is you humbly go to Jesus. I know that sounds simple, and you're saying, come on, pastor, I got up for, for church this morning for more than that, but let, let's see how this unfolds. The Bible says this man was an official. Uh, the King James tells us he was a nobleman. He was part of Herod Antipas's court. Herod Antipas was the, uh, the governor, we might say, of the Galilean region. And this nobleman, this official, was, was part of the government. He was a high-ranking official, we might say. And he worked in the government. 
And the Bible tells us that he was about 20 miles away in the city of Capernaum because Jesus had come again to Cana in Galilee where he turned the water into wine. And Cana was about 20 miles away from Capernaum. Now, if you back up a little bit in the story and in the fourth chapter, you learn that uh, Jesus had come into the area and he had gone to Nazareth, his hometown, and he was rejected in Nazareth. And out of that experience came that famous saying that a prophet is not without honor in his own hometown. And the Bible says Jesus couldn't perform many miracles in Nazareth because, well, they just, they just didn't believe in him. Maybe they were too familiar with him. Maybe they looked at him and said, isn't this the Jesus that we played stickball with on the streets of Nazareth? Isn't this Joseph's son, the carpenter? Who does he think he is? you know, doing this Messiah kind of stuff. But they couldn't perform any miracles there. But in Cana of Galilee, he turned the water into wine. And while Nazareth didn't welcome him, Cana welcomed him like he was a hometown hero. And so we find in verse 46 that he returns to Cana in Galilee, and the Galileans welcome him. And while they're doing that, 20 miles away in the city of Capernaum, which later becomes the headquarters of Jesus' ministry, because that's where Peter and Peter's mother-in-law lived. Uh, in Capernaum, there was a nobleman, an official, a high-ranking, important man of the government facing a crisis. His son was ill. His son was at the point of death. And he makes the long journey, 20 miles for Capernaum to Canaan. Now, 20 miles isn't much to you and me. You may live in an area where it takes you 20 miles to find a grocery store or a Walmart. I mean, we drive 20 miles just here and there, sometimes 200 miles a day. But back then, this, this was an arduous journey. He might have walked. He might have rode a horse. But 20 miles is a long, long journey back then. And I want you to get inside a little bit this man's heart, the anguish that his father is experiencing. I mean, he's at the end of his resources. Let's just say he's tried everything, and now he hears that, that Jesus is in Cana, and he makes the journey from Capernaum to Cana, a long, painful, anguishing journey, because his son is at the point of death. And I say he humbly goes to Jesus because, let's face it, I mean, Jesus had the reputation of just being an itinerant Jewish preacher from, of all places, Nazareth. And can anything good come from Nazareth? But this high-ranking, important government official makes the journey to go to Jesus? I mean, he's the kind of guy that says, no, you come to me. I mean, he, he could have done that. I mean, this is a guy who had all kinds of access to Herod Antipas and all kinds of government programs and resources. He was the kind of guy that was used to setting appointments and having people come summon him. But no. There's a crisis in his life, and he humbles himself to travel to where this itinerant Jewish rabbi named Jesus is, because maybe, just maybe, he can help my son. You know, I meet a lot of people from time to time as a pastor who tell me, you know, maybe they're in a crisis or maybe they're going through a hard time, and they say, you know, but pastor, I have faith. I have faith. And my first question is, well, that's great. You know, faith in what? Uh, the Bible says without faith, it's impossible to please God. It's a good thing to have faith. But faith in what? And I dig a little bit because a lot of people, when they say, I have faith, what they're really saying is they have faith in faith. 
or they have faith in themselves. I mean, Oprah says she has faith, but faith in human nature is not biblical faith. Do you have faith in medical science? If any member of my family were ill, I'd want to get the best medical attention money could buy anywhere on this planet. But even medical science has its limitations, and doctors don't know everything. The second half of today's Something Good radio message with Dr. Ron Jones. Today's teaching is part of Ron's series, Believe, The Miracles of Jesus. Stop by somethinggoodradio.org to watch or listen to the entire series or to download Ron's sermon notes from today's message. That's somethinggoodradio.org. While you're there, use the Explore feature at the top of the homepage to share your prayer requests with us. Our ministry team is always ready to lift you up in prayer. Life's challenges can be handled in all sorts of ways. You can take flight, or you can stay and fight, or you can ask Jesus for help. Here's Ron with the rest of today's Something Good radio message, The Long Distance Miracle. This nobleman was a government official, a high-ranking official, an important guy. He had access to all kinds of government programs. He might have even you know, co-wrote the legislation on some of the programs that he was administering. He even had access to Herod Antipas, but no government program could help his son, who was at the point of death. So when you say you have faith, I mean, that's, that's great, but, but biblical faith always has an object, and the object is the person of Jesus Christ. Everybody whom God Everyone who has faith that God recognizes as saving faith comes humbly to Jesus. So it's not enough just to say, I have faith. Faith in faith, faith in myself, faith in human nature, faith in medical science, faith in the government, faith in whatever. No, it's faith in Jesus. And this man comes, and quite frankly, I'm a little bit surprised at Jesus' response here. It sounds a little harsh. Verse 48, so Jesus said to him, Unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. Now, that's not what I would expect of the Savior. That's not what I would expect of of Jesus, who probably gathered that this man had just made a long journey from Capernaum to Cana. Uh, Maybe he would have recognized some anguish in the man's face and in the man's heart. I mean, couldn't he have given him a little bit of a break? I mean, the guy's son is ill. And he looks at him and he kind of chides him a little bit. He challenges the sincerity of his faith And he says, unless you see signs and wonders, you won't believe. Now, the word you appears twice here. Unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. And it's not evident in the English language, but in the Greek language, the you is in the plural. And so it appears Jesus has a larger group of people in mind as he's saying these words to the official. It's as though he's saying, I I know your kind of people. You're one of those guys that always wants me to see me do something uh, some, some, something spectacular, some uh, magical sign and wonder, and you won't believe until you see it. I've met people like you. He challenges his faith that way because it's true. For a lot of people, uh, they're, they're signs and wonders seekers. They're the kind of people that will believe it when they see it. And we even have those kinds of people in our day and age. Ray Stedman was a well-known pastor from a previous generation, and 
He hits the nail on the head when he says of people today, tens of thousands of people haunt the meetings of so-called faith healers because they want to see whether these men and women can actually achieve the transformation of a cripple or open the eyes of the blind. He says those kinds of people are legitimate prey for religious racketeers. And he's right. Now, Jesus was no religious racketeer. But Jesus understood that a person's faith, and hear me on this, a person's faith that is dependent on signs and wonders is a shallow faith. It's a shallow faith, about an inch deep and not even a half mile wide. And so he challenges this man. He says, I I know people like you. You just want me to perform some sign and some wonder, but even if I do, you won't believe because you're a I'll believe it when I see it kind of guy. And biblical faith is, I believe it, and then I see it. Then God opens up my blind eyes to see things I've never seen before. But I love the way the man responds here. Uh, He goes on to say, say in verse 49, the official said to him, sir, come down before my child dies. And Jesus said to him, go, your son will live. In the original language, it's in the present tense. Your son lives, okay? This nobleman is undeterred by the challenge. He just sort of skates right by it, and there's such a desperation in his heart. He says, no, you don't understand. My son is about to die, and I need your help. He's not here to have a theological conversation. And based on Jesus' response here, the nobleman passed the test. He wasn't just looking at Jesus as a religious racketeer who was do many signs and wonders. No, this guy's, this guy's need was genuine. And he had made the long journey from Capernaum to Canaan to see if Jesus would help him. So the first thing you do when your faith is in crisis, you, you humbly go to Jesus. Every sinner who comes to the cross of Christ comes as a humble sinner. Jesus said, blessed are the poor in spirit for they shall see the kingdom of God. You come to the cross of Christ recognizing your spiritual bankruptcy, your poverty, that you've come to the end of your resources and you come humbly. Whether you're a a poor garbage man or you're an important government official, the ground is level at the foot of the cross and everybody comes the same way. Second thing you do is you take Jesus at his sovereign word. When you're facing a crisis, when your faith is in crisis, it's time to to trust his word, to take him at his sovereign word. Because we go on in verse 50, and it says, the man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and went on his way. Let me ask you a question. Is your faith strong enough to take Jesus at his sovereign word, that you believe what he says, that it's not dependent upon some spectacular sign, some miracle, some wonder, but it's simple enough and it's strong enough to take him at his word. I remember growing up in the church, I used to hear people say from time to time, yeah, if God said it, I believe it, and that's good enough for me. You ever heard that before? And it comes across to some people as naive 
You know, those uh, uneducated Bible thumpers, they just, you know, if God said it, I believe it, and that's good enough for me. I don't need to think. You know, that's the way some people interpret that. Or it's the expression of a settled conviction of the heart. Remember, faith is the assurance of things not seen. The conviction, the conviction of things you know to be true about God. And that expression can mean an expression of the settled conviction of a heart that is at peace with God and trusts His Word. And this is where that nobleman is. He, he has a choice to make here. Jesus said to him, your, your, your son lives. But see, that wasn't the plan. That wasn't what the nobleman had in mind. He traveled from Capernaum all the way to Cana of Galilee with the idea that he was going to persuade Jesus to make the long journey back to Capernaum and be there in the physical presence of his son and touch his son and heal him. You know, when you're facing a crisis in life and your faith is in crisis, you know, we all kind of work out in our minds how God is supposed to work out the situation, don't we? God, if you just do this, or if you just do this, or if you just do this. This man wanted Jesus to come back to Capernaum, to sit by his son's bedside, to touch him and to heal him. And Jesus said, no, your son lives. All he had was a word from Jesus. And the Bible says, at that moment, he believed, and he made his way back. facing a crisis today, if your world seems to be crumbling all around you, the best thing you can do is to humbly go to Jesus, ask for his help, and take him at his word. We'll pick it up right here tomorrow when Ron shares the final step to handling life's challenges God's way. You've been listening to Something Good with Dr. Ron Jones. So glad you joined us. We'll pick it up right here next time in part two of Ron's message, The Long Distance Miracle. The song Route 66 by Bobby Troop captured the heartbeat of a generation that dreamed of traveling the open road on US 66 from Chicago, Illinois to Santa Monica, California. Get your kicks on Route 66. Get your kicks on Route 66 became the rally cry and part of the song's popular lyric. If reading the 66 books of the Bible was like a Route 66 road trip across America, people might do more than casually flip through the best-selling book of all time. That idea captured my heart and inspired me to write a book called The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible, making the Bible's story accessible to a new generation of people. Get your kicks on the biblical Route 66. Join me on The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible. Ron's new book, The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible, is now available as a two-volume set covering the 66 books of the Old and New Testaments. For a gift of $50 or more, request your copy of the set. When you order the print books, you will also get unlimited access to the Route 66 Digital Library, a $275 value. The Digital Library contains 66 video sermons, 66 audio messages, 66 downloadable sermon notes, and eight ebooks. To order your copy of The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible, Volumes 1 and 2, through the Old and New Testaments, go to somethinggoodradio.org. That's somethinggoodradio.org. 
The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible makes a great addition to any home library. Request both volumes today at somethinggoodradio.org. Now, here's Ron with a preview of tomorrow's message. Your faith is in crisis. You're facing a crisis today. Humbly go to Jesus. Uh, Sometimes it takes a crisis to humble us enough to go to Jesus, doesn't it? Are you at the end of your resources today? Fact of the matter is you've had faith in faith, you've had faith in human nature, you've had faith in all yourself, all of your degrees, all of your experiences, maybe faith in medical science, maybe faith in government, maybe faith in everything but faith in Jesus. And sometimes it's the crisis that God allows into our life that helps aim our faith in the right person, the person of Jesus. That's next time when Dr. Ron Jones shares part two of his message, The Long Distance Miracle. Join us then for Something Good. For Ron and the entire team here at Something Good Radio, I'm Brian Davis saying God bless and thanks for listening.